everybody welcome to episode 29 of vague zone i am daniel i'm thomas and today we are discussing 2016's shin godzilla directed by hideaki ano and shinji higuchi joining us for this discussion is my good friend aj elling say hello aj hello aj all right wonderful <laughs> you're coming in strong uh and before we jump in to the discussion thomas can you read for us the imdb synopsis absolutely okay shin godzilla from 2016 Japan is plunged into chaos upon the appearance of a giant monster. And that's pretty straightforward. That's it? <laughs> All <laughs> yes, right, that is pretty it. simple. Um, so, AJ, since you are our guest, why don't you start us off with uh, letting us know what you thought of Shin Godzilla? All right, so um, I've been a pretty big Godzilla fan since I was a kid, uh, mostly because my brother was into it. I mean, I'm talking we would get Godzilla magazines every month, and we would go to something called G-Fest, which was like oh, a wow. Godzilla comic con kind of thing that they had in LA a couple times. Um, and I kind of haven't really, like I kind of turned away from that path for a while. Um, but I got to say watching this movie has really kind of reignited my interest in this weird particular kind of genre. Um, it, I just thought it was amazing. Um, you know, there's really two kind of Godzilla formats. There's when he fights other creatures and there's the ones where it's just him. Uh, and I thought, because this one just focused on him and it wasn't about a battle or anything like that, um, and it was able to kind of focus on the humanitarian and the economic uh, aspects of a calamity like this one. I, I don't know. I thought it was amazing. What did you guys think? Uh, Thomas, go ahead. I'm with you, yeah, because Daniel has seen it before. It was my first time watching it, yeah, and I watched it multiple times this week because, yeah, I was blown away. Multiple times, wow. <laughs> yeah, because, yeah, I was with, uh, I'm a big stan for uh, the 2014 version, but this is just, like, such on a higher caliber of just everything that mm -hmm. it just it blew me away. And, yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of Neo, Gen Neo Genesis Evangelion. I watched that, uh, yeah, like two years ago, and so I'm sort of familiar with, you know, uh, uh, Mr. Anno's sort of visual language and like the music yeah. that he uses. And yeah, this movie is just breakneck speed, extremely fast, but it's just very dense. And it's about, yeah, just the, the government's effort to fight this uncontrollable beast. And it's just, yeah, it's just, it's just insane. This is probably one of my favorite movies I've seen recently too. Yeah. This is everything <laughs> about it. It's just, it's just spot on. Yeah. I was pretty worried. Uh, so this is probably like the fourth or fifth time I've seen this. Okay. <laughs> uh, I was kind of worried because after last week, I, I remember one of my complaints was like, the characters aren't well developed and mm -hmm. uh, there's not enough Godzilla. <laughs> and you could basically make those same uh, criticisms of this movie. Correct. But it's yeah. so fucking different. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like this just because it's not about it's not even about its characters. It's it's like there is a main character, which is um Rando Yaguchi, who's like an up-and-coming, uh, you know, sort of political entity. I forget, I forget what his role is, but um, but it's mostly just about Japan versus Godzilla, and Japan and the bureaucracy as a character versus Godzilla, and all of the different permutations of that bureaucracy. Um, 
And yeah. so, and, and I like when we do get the Godzilla, it's like the best Godzilla we I think I've ever mm-hmm. seen. Yeah, yeah, super. It's, uh, he's fucking terrifying, dude. Yeah, yeah AJ, it's like the first time there's like a scary Godzilla. Yeah, I was gonna say, AJ, mm-hmm. what do you think about the design of this Godzilla? Well, just the different uh, the different varietals that you get of him is is one thing that's very different from a lot of other Godzilla movies. And there's that weird, like I kind of refer to it as like a polywog state where he's not quite <laughs> on land, not quite in the water. Um, and and that really kind of took me aback because I wasn't expecting it. And it was so different than than the traditional Godzilla that most people are used to, myself included. Um, and even when he assumed his you know predominant form. Um, the the overly large tail, the smaller arms, the forearms, mm. um, and just the behaviors in general. Uh, I, you know, it, it was a, the perfect embodiment. I feel like of a of a walking unnatural disaster, if if yeah. you will. It feels like an unstoppable force. Yeah, because like the way he moves through the scene once he's in his like final evolution, it's just he's like this statuesque figure. That is just sort of, it almost feels like he's got wheels or something because he's like Mm -hmm. very steadily progressing forward. Yeah. And even before that, the first version, I just absolutely adore just the goofy, silly, fish-eyed version of him just like flopping around. Mm -hmm. And I like sort of interpret it as like him learning to walk or like like just learning how Mm -hmm. to use the limbs because it's just like it's basically like just pushing itself across the city, like face first, like face into the ground. It's like like cars flowing everywhere, but like the, the back legs are propelling it and then eventually it stands up and like situates itself but yeah that first version is just like so goofy with the first time i see it but it's just like it's it's just all of it's just so weird it's just great i just love his yeah, evolutions it, it feels kind of disarming because like the first yeah. time i saw it i had no idea what the fuck was going to happen going into this movie and so getting that sort of comedic squirming writhing on its stomach godzilla it's just like oh what like what the fuck is this movie <laughs> like is yeah. this gonna be godzilla for this movie? i thought it was the villain i thought that was what godzilla was gonna okay. be fighting yeah because i was like okay, you could is- kind of see how how they could set it up that way and you're probably about saying so, you know, it's comedic there was a lot of comedy in this movie and a lot of unfamiliar yeah. and unsuspecting places um it was just such a refreshing thing to watch i feel like because you know we we've seen these stories play out before i mean i think this is like the 29th or 30th godzilla or something like that um how much more different can you make it but i feel like they made just enough differences in the things that mattered in this movie for it to feel like a new experience yeah and it was really smart for them to be like if we're gonna reboot godzilla we're gonna go back to what it was and make it a political movie and like Mm -hmm. it's about a disaster and Godzilla isn't as so much of a character. It's just a, it's a device for like us to explore what this movie is about. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That disaster being the Fukushima disaster from 2011, and I, yeah. the director he mentions like, yeah, that is the inspiration for just the the dense bureaucracy and deliberations that like most of this movie is just like groups of the government agents just like de- uh, deliberating and just like just sending orders like up a, a, up a chain of command and just like everything being yeah. halted and yeah just some of those moments are just amazing to me one of my favorite beats is early on they're having the first conversation inside the room and uh yeah i think it's his character uh Brando, he's on the other, he's like at the kids table. Like there's like the main table with like all of like the main diplomats and there's like a table kind of behind it. And he meant, he's like talking about a suggestion. And then the guy's just like, 
uh, who are you referring to right now? Like, they just, like, pause. Oh, yeah. He, he, like, like, leans (laughs) in the frame, and he's like, who are you addressing? Yeah, I love Mm -hmm. that. And then later on, he's, like, trying to get everybody riled up. And he's like, yeah, it's like, let's do this. Like, this is, like, one of our last chances to, like, get this done. And then his buddy Hideki comes in and is just like, let's get to work. And then, like, just let's get to work is what gets everybody going. So, yeah, I just like that. Yeah, they don't do anything before that. (laughs) He, like, kind of, it feels like he's giving, like, a grand speech or something. But it's like, yeah, we just need someone to, like... It kind of fell flat. Yeah. Yeah. There's just dead. Yeah. Yeah. So the the comedy is 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 really strange. Yeah. It comes from the yeah that bureaucracy just being just such a halting thing. And it was really weird watching this the first time because yeah, there's not a lot of Godzilla in this movie. A lot of it is yeah uh, government deliberation. And yeah, I think I think it works. I think it it leads for a, a very satisfying experience when they actually do solve everything at the end. Yeah. I think yeah they definitely. Cut it down. I think they could have cut it down a little bit. Like this is, like I said, this is like the fourth or fifth time I've seen this, and I feel like I was really feeling the two-hour runtime this time around, um, mm-hmm. because like the moments that I walk away remembering are all of the Godzilla moments, and just kind of like remembering a general feel for how this movie is with its like quick cutting and unusual camera angles and, and the, the humor. Text, like in the text, about. I need. To, I want yeah, to, all what, of the text. Oh god, yeah. the text. What do you yeah. think about the use of text in this movie? Because it is it is very deliberate. Uh, go ahead. Uh, okay, so I, I just a little bit of backstory. Like I work for local government, and I thought okay. that this movie was so on the nose about like just the bureaucratic nonsense, including you know the text that you see for all these goofy titles for people that don't mean anything. Like really, in yeah. the in the justification of the the story, like we don't care what this person does or what their title is because it doesn't tell us much anyways. But that's really how it is. And so um, seeing all these kind of loose ends all trying to work in one direction and not really having a lot of luck at it at first. Um, I loved it. I, I loved the, those little details that didn't really matter because that's how our world is. There's so many goofy things, so many titles, so many monikers that are there and, and you, you have to refer to people by these things. And in my world, at least, and it's like when a creature comes from the ocean and starts walking through the most densely populated uh, or one of the most densely populated cities on the planet, like, why do you care about that stuff? It's so trivial yeah. at that point. So I, I loved it because it underscores the themes of, of just government incompetence. Yeah. I've heard that's kind of a thing in Japan though, is that like there's this fear of making the wrong decision that kind of holds people up from making decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, we're seeing this throughout the movie. It's like, okay, well there's, there's a creature coming on shore. Like, well, what do the environmentalists think? Uh, like, what do the biologists think? Uh, mm-hmm. this, there's no precedence for this. Like, what do we, what do we do? Like, like no one yeah, wants it can't to come on land. Like, its legs will collapse. Like, there's no, yeah, like, it's and... not even possible. <laughs> no one wants to explore uncharted waters. They want to rely on what has already been established, and there nothing has been established for this. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. And I, but I did kind of like that it, it went into those um, topics that you're not used to really seeing with the Godzilla movie. You know, it's so militaristic most of the time, but yeah. you did get these varying points of view from biologists from this little ragtag team of of different scientists and and you know think tanks um and and i love that about it I, I thought that was some of the strongest stuff in the movie i know you said that the godzilla stuff is what stood out to you but there were so many little moments there too that that i liked like just the the pondering of you know dropping a third atomic bomb onto yeah. japan like i love the yeah, drama of super that. heavy mm-hmm. oh uh yeah. what did you think of i think your name is kyoko uh the american woman who the ambassador yeah the ambassador what'd you think of that 
Oh, go ahead, Thomas. Uh, I dig it. I like her character. Um, yeah, I feel like there's a little bit of like Phoenix Wright energy. I don't, I've never really played the game, but I've seen a little bit of uh, clips of the game, and so I get like that dynamic energy of just the like I don't know the courtroom type of energy that's going on inside of the think tank a little bit later on. And yeah, I like her character that she's dealing with this like United States like cover up thing that's happening where like they like know some things, but they're like you know being secretive with the information and yeah, like working with like Japan. Cause you know, she's like, she keeps mentioning that it's her grandmother's country. And she has one of my mm-hmm. favorite lines in the movie where they're like exchanging documents and like, they basically, they get something back to her and she's like, Oh wow. Like my grandmother's homeland is like so efficient and fast. Like that's the same. Yeah. It's not, that's not what she says, but that's along the lines of what she says. And it's just like, it's, she's so detached from, what's actually happened in that, like, you know, it's actually just been clogged up and just so congested and they weren't making any decisions. And this is one of the the small instances where they actually got something done, but in her mind, it's like, oh, well, I got this done so fast. And so I like the, the detachment. I forget the uh, other guy's name. There's a lot of people in this movie, but it's... Uh, uh, Gucci, he's sort of our main guy. No, it's... Uh, it's a character who's very close to Yaguchi towards the end. He keeps mentioning like promotions every time they're like, the oh, God, yeah. oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, like I like him too, because he basically, he makes the appeal to the prime minister towards the end, but still every time he's on screen, he's just talking about like being in government and working, like, you know, getting a promotion. Yeah. Like that's all his character is talking about. And so I just like, yeah, these characters are super multifaceted and very flawed. And yeah, I, just, they're just really, uh, yeah, just very funny to me because they'll, be, I don't know, they'll say something just super super smart or super on point and very helpful at one at one moment, but yeah, just be detached and aloof in every other instance. Yeah, lamenting about their soggy noodles and their soup, right? Oh yeah, yeah that's yeah. amazing. <laughs> yeah, he's like, this job is gonna be hard. I'm like, yo, like, <laughs> yeah. like there is a radioactive like, lizard. <laughs> and then we end with a shot of the noodles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and damn it, they did look pretty soggy. <laughs> um I really like that so, like, it feels like the whole first act is just, like, dedicated to, you know, the failure to act. And it's pretty comedic. And I feel like it takes a little too long to get to the, um, you know, bringing together the ragtag team that is going to sort of solve the problem. But I like that it's this, like, non-hierarchical organization where it's, like, there are no... I, do, do they even say there aren't titles? I know there's no one's above anyone, no one's below anyone within the group. But yeah, if they didn't say it outright, they definitely kind of painted that picture of, of alluding to it. But they're all just like a bunch of nerds and troublemakers and I don't Outcasts know. It's and yeah. And like pains in the bureaucracy's ass or something like that is. Yeah, which is perfect because the, the movie, tra- I mean, it, it does a good job, but it also tries really hard at the same time to paint those typical bureaucratic characters as incompetent, you know, as disconnected. And so when they introduce these people, we don't know, you know, their names or, or that much about them, but we instantly, I mean, at least I kind of felt like an instant connection to them, like, oh, these are the heroes yeah. because they are different than what we're used to seeing on this incompetent level. Yeah, um, this it was really is the smart. atypical group. And yeah. like, it, it, and it, so there's a go ahead actually. Well, I was just gonna say I because I know Thomas is a big fan of the I think it's 1997, 1998 Godzilla, and and on that level, like I was kind of reminded of that movie with these characters, you know, these more kind of science based, um, less aggressive uh, characters trying to find an understanding of this creature. Um, I, I don't know. What did you think about that, Thomas? I dug it. Yeah, I definitely appreciated the angle of the scientific thing and how yeah, it's about 
sort of outsmarting the government and doing it faster and figuring out a way to make the yeah their coagulation plan work in uh yeah in collaboration with the military and yeah i think yeah i appreciate that it is is grassroots but it's a sorry it's a grassroots sort of movement within the government still so it's the nation of japan is still the central character that is overcoming this this obstacle which is basically itself and yeah i i like was thinking about those other Godzilla movies too. It's funny you mentioned that because yeah, I appreciate that this movie focuses more on like collective groups of people and just like this mm-hmm. crowd. And it, like it starts off early on. There's like the disaster with the water falling into the, the underwater, uh, the train oh, tunnel or something. Tunnels, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's like the, like the initial thing that starts all this stuff off. And we get a shot of like, a, I don't know if they're a couple, but it's like a guy and a girl and they're like sliding down this thing. Yeah. And, when I first saw that, I was like, okay, yeah, we're going to stick around with them throughout the movie and like get, just get like the, the ground perspective of, of everything. But that's mm-hmm. not the case. It's just like they sort of just fade into the rest of the nation. And I appreciated that because, yeah, I think where those other movies lag is they spend so much time dealing with the emotions of these characters and everything. But I think what really matters is literally like nation versus this threat or this beast or whatever yeah. it may be. And yeah, I think that's where this movie benefits a lot is because yeah, it's just, it sort of sets aside those smaller things. There's, I, I like the moment with like the older couple crosses the, the train tracks when like the military is like with the helicopters and they're like about to fire. <laughs> that's like, I like, love that moment so much. And yeah, I was just like, yeah, like this, it's, it's silly, but it's a little comedic, but yeah, it's also just going back to the theme of, yeah, just the government taking everything just step by step. And yeah, just sort of, tripping over itself it's weird because it almost feels like this movie is a behind the scenes of a different godzilla movie where it's like normally you get the soldiers fighting godzilla but this it's like what are all the meetings that took place to get that soldier to face off against godzilla yeah because you've never seen that in another movie like this and so it brought an element of realism that like i didn't know was really missing from a Godzilla movie yeah. before. And um, I, but I, I didn't know it could it. be, and I didn't know it could be compelling. <laughs> like yes. that I would actually be interested to watch. Like a guitar well, solo and, and, playing behind the guy talking. <laughs> just like, like, oh my God, that music was amazing. Um, yeah. And I, I, I do want to get your thoughts on the music, but, but before we get into that, you know, I, I just, this movie really kind of, it might sound obvious to, to some people who love these characters, but for me, coming back to something that I watched as a kid, Godzilla is like the perfect embodiment of all of these themes that this one specific, unique country has to live with on a daily basis. Um, and uh, it's just, you know, there's the nuclear proliferation, there's the, the shaky alliance with the United States. Mm-hmm. Um And it just all comes together a lot of times in these movies, but I felt like it really came together very well here in a way where, you know, even if you weren't Japanese, you could kind of, you could sympathize with these characters, even if there wasn't a giant, you know, monster rampaging through their largest city. I don't know. And it's weird that Shin Godzilla, like the design within this movie, this this creature that is only on screen for like 10 minutes or something like that, still became kind of a pop culture icon in Japan. Like, and it's like, this is about... Fukushima and like the failures of the government and this character that is only in it for like 10 minutes is still like merchandising and there's probably plushies and shit of it. <laughs> yeah, like it's, actually... it it's really weird to track how Godzilla has evolved throughout Japanese culture over the years. Yeah. That's yeah. What my... Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> oh no, you go ahead. Go ahead. 
sorry, I just had a, a brief question for both of you. Just mentioning like that, like sort of, even in this movie, there's a brief moment where there's like the crowd is like chanting "Save Godzilla, Save Godzilla." Yeah. But there's like there's like the adoration for for Godzilla, and even I was reading some reviews that are like, "Yeah, Godzilla has been like a mascot, and it's been like you know just like mm-hmm. a very like cuddly kind of creature from a distance, even in the." Uh, the legendary franchise. He's like the hero. He's the good guy. He's he's on our, on the side of the military, but here, like, this begs the like. This movie suggests that Godzilla is something you is someone you do not want to have in your city by any means yeah. because it's going to cause us it's a bad so much. Thing. <laughs> it's it's a very bad thing. He's and in this movie, like, they make him very grotesque and very ugly mm-hmm. and like just uh, really hard to look at. And I was fucking heartbroken when like the purple beam scene happens when he like he does like that really mm-hmm. crazy reaction when the U.S. drops the bombs on him. Because the first time I watched it, I was like, "Whoa, this is intense! This is super cool!" But then when I watched it the second time, I was like, "This is extremely somber. Like it's like this this fucking chaotic lo- like massive loss of life. Like the prime minister is trying to make like an evacuation thing through a helicopter, and he just like his helicopter just gets like just zapped. And yeah, it's like it, they make this destruction just looks so grand and just like just it's like gorgeous but it's also it's just like gorgeous destruction and like yeah like i don't know i think anno approaches it in a very interesting way with the music and yeah. just the the way it's mm-hmm. uh, the way it's captured in that moment i was like yeah like first time i was rooting for it but the second time i was like oh wait this is just this is really heavy yeah, this it's is just awful. like the weight of all of it. <laughs> yeah yeah there's a yeah it feels like I don't know. It's like that's when the movie stops being funny. <laughs> it's yeah, like yeah. This, yes. is just, this is just heavy, and that song that's playing. It's like this very operatic song. It's in English. Uh, I'm gonna read the lyrics to it right now. Okay. So some people think that this is from the perspective of Godzilla. <laughs> um, Whoa. But here, here, here are the lyrics. If I die in this world, who will know something of me? I am lost. No one knows. There's no trace of my yearning. If I die in this world, and then there's like, it goes back and forth between parentheses and normal. So it's like, if I die in this world, but I must carry on, who will know something of me? Nothing worse can befall. I am lost, no one knows, all my fears, all my tears. There's no trace of my yearning, tell my heart there's a hole. I wear a void, not even hope. A downward slope is all I see. I wear a void, as long as breath comes from my mouth. Not even hope, I may yet stand the slightest chance. A downward slope. A shaft of light is all I need, is all I see, to cease the darkness killing me. It's like, that's a beautiful song for Holy a Godzilla shit. movie. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing, dude. <laughs> I didn't even realize, like, I didn't I didn't even make that connection. Wow. Yeah. Whoa. It's such a <laughs> fucking intense scene. I've watched that scene so many times. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's super heavy. And, yeah, and I, you asked about uh, Kayoko a little bit earlier, and I love her line towards the end where they're like, they're basically the the uh sorry our crack team our guys are is they're on the way to make their like freeze plan happening but the government is still on the way to dropping another bomb mm-hmm. on godzilla and she's like if they drop another bomb like she's like i'm not coming back like like i'm not gonna watch another bomb get dropped on this country and yeah. then they have like the just silent shots of the aftermath of nagasaki and uh, uh, yeah yeah like nagasaki and it's just yeah just the moments just really fucking beautiful and i think they handle it really poetically
I love what the camera does in that shot too, right after she drops that line. And it just, you know, coming from the guy who created Evangelion, you know, I was kind of wondering, you know, how introspective is this movie going to get? Because that show gets pretty, pretty damn introspective. Yeah. It's like the most um, introspective. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was kind of nice that we didn't get that to that extent with this movie, but it finds ways to kind of touch you on that level. And I, I, that scene, that shot stood out to me where she delivers that line in the camera the characters stop and the camera keeps going yeah Yeah, and it's almost like you realize just how lost in and insignificant in this moment these two protagonists are and and how little they really can do to affect the situation they still miraculously do but but i love that that shot above all other shots even all the great cuts of godzilla you know rampaging through the city stood out to me the most in this movie yeah and isn't also it filled with like pipes like crisscross yeah so like kind of emphasizing that disconnection and that mixed up feeling even further yeah man they did a lot of interesting things in this movie man i'm still pondering it yeah we're both both just like yeah (laughs) good movie it was though it really was it was you know there's there's something to like about every godzilla movie but this one it was just so different but had enough familiar things in it to still be a Godzilla movie, but it was just so different and so realistic in, in a lot of ways. Like, you know, I had kind of forgotten about that quick shot they had of the crowd, you know, protesting, save Godzilla. Yeah. Um, but but they, they found fun, creative ways to introduce all, all these things where you, you sit there watching, you go, well, I guess that could happen, huh? Like, there would be a group of people who would be wanting to save this disastrous creature that, that is destroying everything. Yeah. And, you know, like, like, you could see people wanting to do that. So, I don't know, it, it just explored a lot of different aspects to a scenario that probably will never ever happen but you never know um and and i don't know it was was so fun to see it was frustrating at times but it was fun um what did you think of the final shot oh i I mean i can't remember the last time a final shot left me that with so many questions so like is disgusting and 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 weird and awesome all at the same time um I'm still thinking, you know, what are the ramifications of that? And, and where does Godzilla go from here? Um, I've I read a lot of theories afterwards, and I don't think I've had, still have my mind made up on it. But what do you guys take from it? Uh, Thomas, go ahead. <clears throat> uh, I don't know. I'm still, yeah, still chopping it up in my mind. Uh, yeah, his skin in this movie, I think, is, is a key to the answer to that. Yeah, mm-hmm. it feels very... Yeah, something very abrasive and alien and adaptive. And yeah, they even talk about, yeah, like his, something about the chemical makeup of of his version, this version of Godzilla has the ability to like just do some crazy shit with chemicals and convert things. And like, that's why he's able to evolve and adapt and be a land creature and a sea creature. And yeah, just the fact that there's like humanoid things at the end. I was like, yeah. is he like connecting to Earth somehow? Like, is it like a... I don't know, like, a, I don't know, a terraforming kind of thing taking place is just, just, yeah, really so gross. Just, yeah. The theory I've heard um, is that, okay, so initially we get a Godzilla who's crawling over, he's like in the water. And what mm-hmm. is his big obstacle in that moment? Well, the land. So what does he do? He, he can walk on land. <laughs> like, despite what everyone believes that, like, his, he will be crushed under his own weight, he can walk on land. And it's like, okay, well, now he's just, like, running into buildings and stuff. So what's his next obstacle? He needs to learn how to stand up. 
So he learns how to stand up and he gets arms. <laughs> and yeah. what's his next obstacle? Well, there's uh, these these bombers bombing him from the sky. So he starts shooting lasers out of his body to destroy like aircraft. <laughs> and he uh, he develops like a radar. And at one point, there's like a concern that he'll grow wings. And because mm-hmm. like now, like this, like just travel, I guess, is his obstacle or something. And so I think with that final shot, and this is kind of the theory I've read, is that like, what is his obstacle in, at, at the end of the movie? Well, it's, it's uh, the collective, uh, because that is what defeats him. It is this, this group that gets their minds together to figure out a solution to this problem, and that's what defeats him. So Godzilla yeah. is becoming a collective. Uh, he's becoming human, humanoid at the end. Oh, yeah, he's assembling so a team, right? Mm-hmm. I know. Whatever way you slice it, there's just... I, I can't remember the last time a movie like this ended on a scene like that, yeah. where it just opens the door to all these things where, you, you know, you could you could fill in the gaps yourself and, and take from it what you will, and I love that about it, um, because it was so wacky and, and just grotesque. Like, it even kind of reminded me of, like, the xenomorphs from Alien, the way yeah. that those those bodies looked. Oh, so weird. And, like, it... The way that that shot unfolds without any audio, it's just, like, silent. <sighs> it just, mm-hmm. like, it's terrifying to me. I remember, like, the movie ending and being like, what the fuck? Like, what does that mean? But it, like, yeah. really got to me. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I like the, the lead up to it because, yeah, they're having the conversation on, like, the rooftop really far away, and Godzilla's, like, dwarfed in the background. It's basically, yeah. like, a little action figure size. And then, yeah, we just we push in, and then, yeah, you get that last shot, and it's oh, most of the frame. Yeah, I, you guys, I forget what you, uh, uh, what you just mentioned, but I was thinking Las Plagas from Resident Evil 4. I was just like, yeah, it's just mm-hmm. mutated, like, teeth, body, Cronenberg thing. <laughs> Yeah, I've heard people say that they can see, like, a face in Godzilla's tail in this movie, too. I didn't really see it, you know, when I was watching it, but I guess when I went back and looked at images, I could kind of see something that resembled a face. Um, just those, you know, that's what I expect from somebody who who created Evangelion, like, those weird things. And so to leave it on that, it, it felt like a nice kind of cherry on top of this whole experience where it's like, what? <laughs> like, what is going on? Where do they take it from here? Do they even try to, to make a sequel to this movie? What do you guys think? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, think, I think what you do is you just give Godzilla to other, like, amazing creators and see what they do with it. I would love that. And it's like you don't worry about building sequels and building the series. It's just like, what is what is a Godzilla movie from this person look like? (laughs) You know, like maybe it is more Mm. about the characters, and it's just people trying to survive this terrible event, or or maybe Godzilla is the main character and he gets launched into space. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's what so many of these movies get wrong is that. They, yeah, the mold, yeah, all the Godzillas come together to fight off a, I don't know, King Ghidorah or something. Um, <laughs> but but so many of these movies get the characters wrong, and that's why where watching these is sometimes it's so campy and and laughable and frustrating um, because you do have this gigantic walking, you know, fire breathing creature that's so cool and awesome and terrifying. But then you get these character stories. They just don't know how to do it, whether it be the, the 2014 American Godzilla or any number of the, the Toho Godzillas. I, this was the first movie, other than maybe the original, and I have a soft spot for Godzilla 1985, where the characters 
I wasn't rolling my eyes, you know. Yeah. Sure, you had somebody like Patterson, who uh, Kayoko Patterson, who was uh, she was kind of obnoxious, but I think that was the point, right? Being half American or whatever she was, like they yeah. were definitely trying oh, to yeah. say something there. Where most yeah. of the times with these characters, they're just trying to find a, a vehicle between different Godzilla scenes, um, but this was different, and I liked it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Man. That's and it, made, it makes me yeah not like the 2014 one after seeing <laughs> seeing this one just do everything so much better. I'm like, all right, yeah, I had to eat my words a little bit on that one. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just it's just a very different approach, and I True. think I think yeah, the 2014 Godzilla. There's a way to do that. Like he was very influenced by Jaws, but the thing is, with Jaws, you have very compelling characters, yeah. and mm-hmm. with that Godzilla movie, you don't. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. He was influenced by Jaws. I, I guess I didn't realize that, but it, I, you know, I, you're right. I, you do get a sense of it. That's interesting. Hmm. Have to, you know, have to think about that and marinate on that for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one thing I do want to point out: they're talking about the like naming the uh, yeah naming the military procedure that is the coagulant plan, and it's like mm-hmm. the Kitasoro or something. But it's it's by uh, it's in reference to the Japanese kami. Kami uh, Susanu, and I looked that up, and apparently he's a multifaceted deity with both good and bad characteristics, and mm. I thought that sort of related to just a lot of the characters in this movie, where they both have you know good and bad characteristics, and just thought that yeah, was didn't they reference something about giving him some sake or something like that? Like, yeah. well, isn't that in the story? That's what the myth is yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah that, that's what he uses to like freeze a beast in the story, and yeah, I just thought it's funny that his deity has the characteristics that are both good and bad. I think that applies for a lot of the characters in this movie. And I think maybe they're trying to apply that to Godzilla because it's like, like in this movie, Godzilla is certainly bad. But in past movies, he's been a good guy. So maybe they're playing with that history. Is he bad in this movie, though? He felt ambivalent. Like uh, to me, it felt like it was just trying to learn how to walk and move around. But it wasn't until (laughs) the U.S. dropped nukes on his back. That's when it got pissed off and decided to burn the city down. But it's, yeah, I'm just saying like, We've had movies where Godzilla's a hero. This one certainly yeah. not the case. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. at least what it represents. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm thinking of King of the Monsters when they're like actively rooting him on from the sidelines. I'm really gonna have a hard time watching uh, this new one that's rolling out this month. You know, King Kong versus Godzilla, and oh, not I can't wait. <laughs> compare it to this movie. I, I'm excited for it, but. It's just not. I feel like it's not the same. It's, it's not a totally be the same different. At all. Yeah, it's a totally different ballpark. Yeah. Yeah. They're doing but it's going to be hard for my brain to separate it. Like this you know? is almost like it, an art film or something. <laughs> yes. Yes, I agree. It's uh, I mean, it's I, I wish I could have seen this movie in theaters because yeah, it would have been same. interesting to see people's reactions to it. Like, Dan, did you see it in theaters? No, I wish I did. I remember it was playing at Roxy Theater and I was like, oh, that looks interesting. And I just didn't make it out. I'm <laughs> fucking kicking myself. <laughs> <sighs> I know. Hopefully yeah, it well, re-releases also, one day. I also say to be fair, two, 2016 was a just a crazy year. So it's <laughs> the last stuff was going on. Yeah. Oh god. Yeah. Well, ever, <laughs> like that is like uh, regarded as like a terrible, terrible year. That was the year I got married. <laughs> yeah, that's, 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 that's a beautiful thing. But that's yeah. also yeah, it was a, a busy year. Like those eventful things. Like I've had friends. And... <laughs> I've had friends tell me 
your yeah your wedding was like the last good thing that happened <laughs> oh goodness wow <laughs> <laughs> nothing good will ever be as good as your wedding <laughs> yeah it's like not related at all but like me and my band blaze wave like yeah our last show was on the end of february last year and that was the last good thing before yeah. march showed up and the world <laughs> changed forever yeah, Did you guys think about uh, like COVID at all? And like, I don't. I, for me, it, it was kind of on the nose, even with this movie, even though it came before. Just from a, a government, you know, reaction standpoint, uh, yeah. and, and the ineptitude there, I, I couldn't help but draw parallels between Absolutely. what I saw on the screen and yeah. And then even like the people worshiping Godzilla and saying "protect Godzilla," maybe yes. there's something about like anti-masking there, or I don't know, like people who are just like kind of on the wrong path when it comes to actually confronting the issue. Yeah, mm, but but there they are, you know, yeah. they're they're out there. That, yeah, that's this that that kind of harkened back to those things that I think about, where people just kind of flying in the face of science and reason and and fear, and instead trying to stick up for something that maybe they probably shouldn't be and they should probably be going you know running for their lives but they're out protesting in the streets it was so on the nose um yeah, my, my favorite like covid thing that i thought about in this movie is when the prime minister is giving the uh the press conference about um they're talking about godzilla not being able to walk on land and then his, oh. the guy walks up on stage and like whispers into his ear and he's like you can't and then it just does it. <laughs> it's like yeah it's like that was us last march just talking about masks it's just like it's just so it's just yeah it's absolutely right there on the screen it's weird i'm seeing mm -hmm. discussions about wearing two masks now and i haven't kept oh, up with it yeah but like what mask. is that wow <laughs> you got a double mask it now well another thing that this movie made me realize after you know i was reading up on the movie and, and the directors after is that um anno i didn't know this um got his start in the industry working on one of my like top five favorite films nausicaa of the valley of the wind oh, have you guys yeah. ever seen that that movie I have not. No. Oh my god! That. You, oh, you guys should. Yeah, you should definitely not only watch it but do an episode on it because it's a phenomenal film. But there is a, without spoiling anything, there is a, a very dangerous, gigantic creature, a destructive creature at one point in the movie, and he actually was called in. They were behind, I guess, uh, in the animation of the film, and he was called in off the street basically to animate these scenes that are terrifying. And, and, and when you watch them, um, you definitely draw similarities between Shin Godzilla and, and the movie that was made back in the early eighties. It's, it's very interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Definitely check that out. Yeah, man. yeah. This is a fucking phenomenal movie. <laughs> yeah, it really is. And like, I wonder, yeah. so there's, there's two directors credited. There's also Shinji Higuchi, but I'm like wondering, cause it, I, I, everyone wants to focus on, Hideaki Anno because we all know him from Evangelion and from other things but like what I'm wondering what did Shinji Higuchi bring to the table like well so it looks like Anno did the screenplay and Higuchi did the special effects uh, is so, how it was kind of broken down okay and uh Higuchi did he worked on Attack on Titan the live action movies for that so which i have not seen are, are those those pretty good or um i have not seen them but like those are giants attacking a group of people movies and mm -hmm. i guess he did both of those just before shin godzilla so it was probably just he was he was primed for making this style of movie yeah i heard mixed things about the attack on titan live action movie yeah it might have just been a cash in but yeah well do you ever watch the anime uh i've only watched a tiny bit of it so, like, are you familiar with how, like, the characters maneuver throughout the space with, like, their, 
like like rope things that they have. No. Yeah, so these characters. Yeah, they have like they're like fighting these big fucking titans, but they're like using this rope like system. It's really weird. Like it's hard. It's like a grappling hook that's like really fast. Like it's on your hips, and, and so it's like floating around in the air, kind of as they're fighting these things. And so I think the translation of that on screen was kind of shaky, is what <laughs> I heard. Um, I ha- I think I have one last thought about Shin Godzilla, which is just that I was really impressed that this is a fully CG Godzilla because there were so many shots in this movie. Like up until I heard that, I was completely convinced that there were puppets and animatronics used in this movie, but it's completely CG. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting choice too. There, I'm not gonna lie, there were a couple shots where I wish the special effects had maybe I guess been a little bit more realistic because it did kind of take me or it didn't take me out of it, but I could see how people would kind of be turned off by some of the visuals. But when this movie and the visuals are on, they are on. Not only is it beautiful, but it's beautifully terrifying. You know, there's like a shot of Godzilla going through the city and the the power goes out and you just see the glowing, you know, red from his body. There's a shot right around there too, where a lady in an apartment building, the building, gets knocked over and you actually see god that's like the scariest shot i think i've ever seen in any of these types of movies oh it's just it's too real you know um but yeah when this movie hits it hits very very effectively with the visuals and and how good they look and and how you would you would just assume it was a guy in a suit at some points and it's not it's wild well there's shots of godzilla like screaming in pain and I thought for sure that's just like a hand and a puppet, at, like for a close-up shot, and it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just like looking at photos of Shin Godzilla <laughs> during this conversation because I just I'm amazed. I, I love the design of this character, and it just like yes. it looks like it's in constant pain or something like that. And even just the um, mouth, how it opens into like four, I think it's like four quadrants. Uh, you just don't yeah. see that. Yeah, really easy to kill her in that moment. Oh. <laughs> a good point yeah and 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 the fact you know thomas i uh the the scene with the the radioactive beams that you were talking about um you know we've just never seen godzilla do things like that before uh of that magnitude and and terrifyingness like oh man and then and then uh, it's just funny the way these movies kind of go where you know you have this creature that does these awesomely powerful terrifying things and then you get the the heroes of the movie knocking over buildings on top of him for a a reason but it's still just as destructive like it's like wow is this what it takes you know so you gotta think outside the box though you know yeah like true the like all the trains going and like bombing him and then i love that like lands on his side and then they send the the first platoon of trucks and then he wakes up and just blasts them all in one (laughs) one fail swoop and then and then yeah he's just like there's a shot of his eyes just like just blinking it's like yep like just that's massive collateral damage and just have to just bite that bullet just just it's it's cool because it feels like it's straight up the city versus Godzilla, <laughs> like yeah, the trains, yeah. the buildings, <laughs> like construction equipment. Uh, there are drones, but the drones are just bait. Um, yeah, yeah, literally, yeah. It's like the nation of Japan in every single facet. <laughs> I'm lo- I'm looking through the images for this movie on IMDb. There's an image that shows the height of all the different Godzillas. Shin Godzilla Ooh. is ten and a half meters taller than the American uh, Godzilla from 2014. <laughs> so it's like God, it's like Japan had something to prove, and they were like, "No, ours is bigger." <laughs> <laughs> so just, just you wait. <laughs> yeah. 
Wow. That's awesome. There was one line that I want, I wrote it down because I loved it so much that I just wanted to point out where they're talking about post-war Japan. And I think it's Rando, the main character, says, post-war extends forever. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love that. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It just, it hit all the right points for me, like the historical perspective and, and the cultural perspective of this country that really hasn't ever been able to escape the shadow of its former self. Um, I just... It just it just worked so well in the moment in this film, and it was so uh, uniquely Japanese. Uh, you couldn't make this movie, you couldn't tell this story yeah. anywhere else and have it work the way that it does. Have you ever watched, uh, either of you, have you watched Paranoia Agent? No. no. You've mentioned it, but I haven't got around to watching it yet. Um, it's my favorite anime series. It's from Satoshi Kon. He's like kind of a legend. But um, it's about, I think the first episode is about this woman who works for this toy company, this like stuffed animal company. And she's designed this little stuffed dog and it's become a huge hit, huge, huge, huge hit. And there's all this pressure on her to design, you know, what's her next toy going to be? What's her next big thing? And one night she's walking home from work and this little boy on roller skates comes by with a baseball bat and he hits her in the head and she ends up in the hospital. And now suddenly her employer's like, you know what, you know, you've been through this terrible accident, like, don't worry, like, you'll get through this, and then you'll come back to work when you're ready. Like, and so all this pressure is relieved from her. Yeah. The next episode, similar thing. Someone's experiencing a great deal of pressure, and a boy on roller skates comes by and hits them in the head. And so every episode is kind of like a similar thing. Like, it always ends with someone getting hit in the head until it becomes a mystery of, like, who is the baseball bat boy? Yeah. And the show what that show is playing with it's kind of playing with the idea of how did japan evolve after world war ii japan was like imperialistic the the bomb was dropped on them and then what happened to japan they they don't have a military uh they are now famous for hello kitty and, and turning <laughs> godzilla into uh you know a silly guy a silly good guy um yeah, how how is Japan viewed by the rest of the world after they were, you know, this imperialistic world power? Um, and, yeah, yeah it's something they still out. grapple with. Even in this movie, they talk about that. Like, oh, the, you know, they make decisions based on how the rest of the world is going to view them, whether they fuck it up or not. Yeah. Uh, so that's interesting, man. I'm looking up this this show right now. It's only 13 episodes. It sounds... It's really short, yeah. Fascinating. Yeah, I really need to watch it. <laughs> and, like, the way... Yeah, yeah and... Godzilla, Shin Godzilla, the way this kind of ends, it's, it's, you know, bureaucracy has failed. We need to develop new, a sort of a new government organizing. Um, to, and we need to decide things for ourselves. We need to stand up to the United States and not be a puppet of the United States. Um, yeah. G Japan needs to make its own decisions about how to navigate the world and navigate these issues. And which is like, yeah, like I totally get that. Like it's like a pro Japan message, but it's also a little scary considering uh, the role they played in World War Two. But yeah, yeah, I mean it's true. There, it's just interesting that you know you have other countries that partook in World War Two, and I feel like they're not still paying the price to a degree yeah. that Japan is. Um, maybe it. Yeah, granted, maybe it's, the, go ahead. Go oh, ahead. go ahead. I was just gonna say the war in the Pacific was an entirely different beast than a war in Europe, but. Um, but yeah, it, it's just interesting that the, those reverberations from an incident that happened, what, almost 80 years ago, yeah. um, still being felt some places, but not everywhere. 
and maybe it could just be the difference in the way these cultures react to different to mm-hmm. you know, well not only that the way the cultures react but the way that these powers were defeated mm-hmm. too one was True. a yeah. traumatic yeah. two traumatic events that have really kind of um yeah inserted themselves into the psyche of this this nation insane that Uh, it was two yeah yeah and and i think this movie emphasizes that with the fact that when the the bombers come in they literally drop two bombs on godzilla and he Mm. like screams in pain like in agony and then they're like whoa like that like that moment is like just like so heavy to me when i was watching it the other day i was like holy shit like this is like yeah the nation crying out in in this particular moment is really fucking heavy Mm-hmm. There's also, also a big focus on home in this movie. You know, like when Tokyo has to evacuate and the prime minister yeah, says, yeah. you know, don't make it sound so easy or something. It's, these are people's homes. And, yeah. and there is that that very that a lot of pride uh, in Japan about home. And it could be because it's an island nation and they were protected from certain things for a long time. Um, but, yeah, it just it has it takes on a, a meaning and a theme of its own in this movie. <laughs> So, AJ, you have a choice. Would you like to stay on for what have you been watching, or would you like to drop off? It wouldn't miss it for the world. <laughs> okay. So, you know what he's going to say. <laughs> so, Thomas, what have you been watching lately? Yeah, I finally got around to Phantom Thread. Okay. Yeah, oh, so good. <laughs> Man, like, yeah, just everything you said, I'm just going to basically echo that. Yeah, like, the music is just fantastic, and yeah, just the just everything about that movie is just, just really mesmerizing. I was assuming it'd be about, you know, fashion and dresses, but instead it's about this really twisted, twisted relationship. And yeah, Daniel Day-Lewis is just great. And yeah, just, I don't know if you've seen it, AJ, but yeah, I, I, yeah, I just enjoyed their little twisted relationship as it developed throughout the movie. Yeah. And I feel like it's been on my list. I, okay. So I'm not going to spoil it, but I feel like, so, so, so when I last yeah. talked about it, I said, watch it twice. Because I feel like the first time I saw it, I, after the movie, I had to grapple with the direction that it took. Yes, and then yeah. on the rewatch, I was like, okay, well, I know where it's going, so I can just appreciate like how this is constructed. And it's a fucking wonderful, wonderful movie. <laughs> um, so yeah, watch it twice. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna have to go back and watch it again because yeah, it's not not very conventional. It's it's very strange. And yeah, AJ, if you like uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, I think you'd enjoy it. I do, and I love Johnny Greenwood too. So I have that that playlist of the soundtrack ready to go. Um, I'll probably end up listening to the soundtrack before I watch the movie, which will probably be pretty interesting. But, but yeah, it is a movie I want to check out because I love the director, I love the actor, I love the the composer of the score. Like those are all A plus, you know, home run guys for me. So yeah. And- I think it's interesting uh, Johnny Greenwood does the score. Like, okay, so I'm going to just plainly say I didn't know that this was the dude from Radiohead. Okay. And so I was like, oh, cool. This is, like, a really fantastic score. And it made me think about, yeah, like, these kind of, like, alt-rockers having a career resurgence as movie scorers. Because uh, Trent Reznor and Atticus mm-hmm. Ross just run a, go- a Golden mm-hmm. Globe for uh, the and, – and John Patti's for, for Soul. And so, yeah, it's, like, interesting that these weird alt-rockers are having this, like – the second wind, like scoring movies. Yeah, I mean, you've seen um, "There Will Be Blood," right, Thomas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so good. Johnny Greenwood did the score for that one too, and that one, like, it's it's just so good. I mean, I think it's almost fifteen years old now. Yeah. Um, but it still lives on. That score. I mean, the the film as a whole is amazing, but the score yeah. itself too is is great, even on its own. And that should have been 
that should have been an award-winning score, but, like, there was one track that he had performed live somewhere else or something like that, so, like, it wasn't technically for the music of the film. And so, yeah, it was denied based on a technicality. It wasn't nominated. It sucks. It doesn't take anything away from it, you know, fuck (laughs) awards. They don't know what they're doing anyway. But still, (laughs) it deserves it. (laughs) Shakespeare's at Scott. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, you're right, though. It should have won everything. What did you watch this week, Daniel? Um, I watched The Dead Don't Die uh, by either Jim Jarmusch, which I've always called him, but I've heard some people call him Jim Jarmusch. Whoa. (laughs) Yeah, I've always heard the latter. Really? Okay. I've always heard the former. All right, so (laughs) I don't know. We don't know what it is. The crowd is divided. If you think it's Jarmusch or Jarmusch, write in to at VagueZone on Twitter. Uh, Just write, (laughs) just spell it how you think it should be. Um, Jarmouche. <laughs> but yeah, I had multiple friends tell me this movie is not good. Um, don't watch it. <laughs> and it's on HBO Max. And I, I had nothing better to do, so I threw it on. And I was completely... Oh, wait. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. What's no, going on there? I just saw the post. Sorry, I just saw the poster. I was like, oh, this movie. Okay. This movie. Okay. Um, I, I remember to interrupt you, though. <laughs> yeah, I remember seeing the trailers, not being impressed. But I threw it on. And I was loving it. And I was like, what the fuck are my friends talking about? Like, this is a great <laughs> movie. Like, I I had stopped it 15 minutes in and I went to go tell Emily. I was like, hey, I'm watching Dead Don't Die. Like, do you want me to save this for you? Because it's really good. She was like, yeah, yeah, save it for me. So we ended up watching it together. She ended up, awesome. she ended up going to bed early. So she missed, like, the last 20 minutes or so. And I got to say, those last 10 <laughs> minutes of the movie completely ruined the fucking movie (laughs) i was so i was so angry i was like we had a good thing going like what what are you doing it it really pissed me off i was really liking this movie so so one of the problems of it is there are and i'm not spoiling anything (laughs) there are just there are so many characters in the movie that and all of the characters are great like you could easily like and they're usually kind of paired up or within some sort of group. You could take mm. any of those groups, dedicate a whole movie to to, to them. Uh, that's how good these characters are. But there are so many of them that you don't get to dedicate enough time to them. And so none of them really get developed. None of them really get, like, full stories. And so when the movie ends, it's not, ju- it's not just that, like, the characters didn't really go anywhere. Like, I'm kind of okay with that because of... The way the movie operates, there's no, like, peaks and valleys. It's kind of just, like, chugging along and being a little humorous. And it's just a joy to watch. It's cutting between all the different characters. So that is the spice. That is what keeps you interested. But the ending, it just, it commits to a joke that is <laughs> oh, no. the worst joke in the movie. Where earlier, oh. in, the, earlier in the movie, I'm like, oh, that's, like, a bad joke, but whatever. Like, there's plenty of jokes to come. I hate that feeling. <laughs> but like at the end it commits to that and I was just like, ah, this isn't good. Why are you doing this? Um yeah, I was frustrated. So I encourage people, you know, go out there, watch it. Ninety percent of your experience is gonna be a great experience. And then that last ten percent, you make up your own mind about it. Uh, you know how I feel. <laughs> it's funny because even reading the the cast list for the film plays out kind of the way it sounds like the movie does where it's like whoa bill murray adam driver steve buscemi tilda swinton tom waits the list goes on and on danny freaking glover's in this movie iggy pop and then you get to the last person it's selena gomez like what, what one of those things is not like the others hang on a minute and there's like a handful of additional characters that are just as good 
Like, and, and yeah, Selena Gomez is kind of the worst <laughs> in this movie. Uh, but that's also kind of funny because every, like, within the movie, everyone who crosses paths with her is, like, immediately enchanted by her. And so it's, like, the fact that she's, like, the worst performer, it's, like, eh, hey, whatever. Like, that ki- that's also kind of funny. That's great. But, yeah, well, that's, that's what that I watched out. this week. Oh, and, of course, WandaVision. WandaVision. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. What so what did you guys think of that one? <laughs> yeah. Thomas, go ahead. Uh, well, I cried. Um, yeah, so when Vision was giving his talk at the end, I sort of broke down because, yeah, I just, I'm a sucker for just that sentimental stuff. And, yeah, I appreciate that this is just, like, it's not really, it's, it's, this episode is not like anything else in the entire season. It's just, like, a journey through Wanda's past. And, yeah, I just appreciate that they just shoved everything aside. They just did this, like, kind of a character study, basically, and just backstory with this person who I didn't, I don't know much about heard going up to be uh i don't know much uh, i don't know much about wanda's journey from being wanda going to scarlet witch and so it was i was interested in seeing all of those little moments and yeah it's just heartbreaking and yeah it's just they i think they just did everything right um okay i'm sorry but i i disagree um, <laughs> okay <laughs> i think but i think for me it was i couldn't appreciate the emotional just a journey of this episode because, and I think it was because the format was distracting for me. It is okay. the, the episode is basically Agatha guiding Wanda through her past. And so to me, just thinking about how this episode works within this whole season, it just felt like this was yet another ex- exposition episode. And I, I it, it made fair. me feel like the way this show has revealed information is very clunky um because first we had that we had that episode where we get introduced to the exterior characters and they're providing us with a lot of answers and it's like wouldn't this have been more satisfying if the answers were revealed through you know our main characters just having discoveries and having revelations yeah, um, yeah. and then so this episode kind of just felt like it felt like when the villain in like a James Bond movie is like, here's my plan. Like, here's everything I was doing. And like, you thought I was doing this, but here's actually what I was doing. Except this is, you know, it's not just details. It is memories of Wanda. And so, yeah, there should be more of an emotional journey there. And it, it just, I can understand why that would resonate for someone. It just didn't work for me. For sure. What'd you think, AJ? Um, you know, that show is an interesting show, and it's also interestingly frustrating because I feel like the setup is so good. It's so interesting and intriguing, but sometimes the follow-through isn't. Um, on on one hand, I felt really torn about this episode because it felt like, you know, I, I like when, when these movies and these, these uh, Marvel mediums, they, they come together and they tie things together. And I, I did like that about it. But, Daniel, you're totally right when you say that the way that this information unfolds and the way that these characters discover what's going on around them, it, it could be done better to, to not only benefit them, but the audience. Um, now I will say that I think this episode was a justification for why having this show as a show in the first place, I think it justifies it because you're, you're not going to get these same small moments in a Marvel movie. You're just not going to. And so I think on that level it worked, but ultimately the end 
you know, with, with Agatha there and, and she says, you know, Oh, you're the Scarlet witch. And then it ends like, well, yeah, I already knew she was the Scarlet <laughs> witch. What does that do for me? It, uh, I'm just more confused. Was that supposed to be like this big reveal? Cause we all knew that. So well, that ultimately left me kind of confused, I guess. So now I think, I think what they're doing is like Scarlet, Witch is a title. And if Agatha knows what the quote unquote Scarlet Witch is, then that must be like a story that has existed before. Like it must be like a legend or something. Mm. And so it's like, oh, you are the chosen one sort of thing. Oh, okay. Well, that would make sense because there was that weird figure that they showed uh, in the flashback with the stone when she first comes in contact Mm. with it. Um, so, okay, like, let me put it like that way. Okay, I'm, I'm still on board. I'm still going to be there for the next episode yeah. and, yeah, and, and future seasons, of course. But, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. It was an absolute exposition dump. But, yeah, I'm a sucker for Vision. And, yeah, his touching moment with Wanda made me, like, appreciate everything else that sort of happened when he's like, what else? What What is grief if not love persisting? Yeah. You know, like, oh, Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Great line. I saw, like, Twitter losing their minds over uh, the – like I, I'm trying to think of how it was how it was presented on Twitter. I think it was like people are talking about that line, or like yeah. everyone is discussing that <laughs> line, and I was like, I have no idea what the fuck they're talking about. <laughs> uh, just all the the things that come after these episodes, things like that, kind of frustrate me. I'm like, okay, it wasn't this like earth shattering like I mean, thing, it, it but is a yeah, good line. The, like yeah, it is a great line. It's a great line, and this show makes me like Vision, who I didn't really care for in the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm like, damn it, Marvel, you got me on this guy too. Um, they just know what they're doing, which is nice. Yeah. Um, love it or hate it, they know what they're doing. So, I'm really yeah. eager to see how the Eternals turns out because, like, it's, it's Chloe Zhao, right? That's um, she did uh, No Man Land. She uh, did The Writer, and whoa, I hadn't heard about this. Yeah, uh, the writer is fantastic. I haven't seen Nomadland yet. Um, I was considering choosing it for this podcast, but I was like, no, we're doing Shin Godzilla. <laughs> like, we got to jump immediately into Shin Godzilla. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah, she did, yeah, the writer and Nomadland. Nomadland didn't win Glo- Golden Globe for Best Picture or something like that? Or did she win Best Director? I didn't watch the Golden Best Globes. Director. She won Best, Best Director. Director. Okay. Yeah. And, like, there was a headline saying that, like, people at Marvel have seen uh like an early cut of the eternals and that they feel like they can't believe what they have in their hands um but yeah the writer are either of you familiar with the writer no yeah Yeah, it's a fucking phenomenal movie so yeah i'm really eager to see what she brings to this because i remember after seeing the writers and hearing that after seeing the writer and hearing that she got the eternals i was like what the fuck is that movie gonna be because it's so quiet and like there's a stillness to the writer. Um, it is like the opposite of an action blockbuster. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm down. Like I'm really interested when these big, like massive franchises sort of pick up these like art house directors and like yeah, you know, that's how we end up with you know strange things like Thor Ragnarok end up happening. So. <laughs> yeah. You're, yeah. Gonna get, you're gonna get. As, you're gonna get something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, voice. as. More and more of these films, these spinoff films with these different voices um, and creators kind of come to light and are successful. I hope Disney learns from that and, and learns to take more chances. You know, whether they hit or miss, um, I think it's important for these these properties to take chances, you know, and, and that's something Disney doesn't like to do a lot. Um, but they have the money. They have the capital. Like, why not try it sometimes? Well, I What's think, the worst that can happen? I think that's what 
the TV space is valuable for is like, like with the Mandalorian, it feels like they've been experimenting with directors and seeing like what works for fans and stuff. And then when they find out what works for fans, then they can discuss like, okay, do we want to give this person a movie and like blow it up? You know, do we want to give them three trilogies? Yeah. So, Soon so enough, the lines between what's a movie and what's a TV show are going to be so blurred, it's not going to matter, right? It's just all content now. Content. We love content. <laughs> Give us the content. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Is that, uh, is that everything for today's Vague Zone? Yeah, I think that might be it. Should we sign it off? Yeah, sure. Uh, AJ, thank you so much for coming on board. We really appreciate that. Oh my gosh! I mean, I've been listening to you guys since the first week. Uh, I, I feel honored that you even think about having me on your show. Thank you so much, and Thomas, it was oh, great you. getting to meet you for the first time, man. Thank you, guys. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. nice right. meeting you. Uh, would you well, like to sign off for us, Thomas? Sure. All right. So we're in the midst of starting this new franchise, so we're going to be doing uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters next. Am I correct? Uh, Kong is next, because we're going in chrono- chronological release order. Uh, got, gotcha. Yeah, so next movie we're doing is Kong Skull Island. On yeah, It's going to be episode 30. This has been episode 29 of Vague Zone. Mm-hmm. If you would like to contact us, you can email us vaguezonepod at gmail.com. We can hit us up at Twitter at Vague Zone if you would like to debate the pr- pronunciation of Jarmouche, Jim, Jar- Jim, Jim Jarmouche. <laughs> if you like to, if you want to throw your hat in the ring on that debate, please tweet at us. Or if you have lists, questions, concerns, or anything like that, yeah, be great. Just tweet at us. Uh, yeah. So I'm Thomas and I'm Daniel, and this has been episode 29. We'll see you in the next one. Cool. Take care. Bye. Bye. I'm coming around to Jarmouche. Jarmouche. <laughs> You know, it seems wrong, but it it feels right.